0: Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hey there and welcome to this month's episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm Rebecca and this month I was joined by uh, definitely a design legend in the luxury yacht world. Um, happens to be... Um, Calling Canada home for the past little while, so it was nice to connect with someone in the same country, um, although not the same time zone. <laughs> uh, I was joined this month by um, with Ron Holland of Ron Holland Design. And he has been in this industry. It's in his blood. He started sailing as a young boy um, in New Zealand and it just kind of built up from there. He got a design interest um, and decided to marry these two factors together. So, uh, this episode is slightly less about design, but more about um, where yachting can really take you and some of the incredible adventures that he's been able to go on. He's now partially retired. Um, although, as you'll learn in this episode, he doesn't really slow down, um, and it's about time he retired and enjoyed those fruits of his labor. So I'm excited to um, hear that he has been taking advantage of that and spending some time on of his on his beautiful builds um, all around the globe from the Northwest Passage down to Tahiti. Um, he'll share a little bit about that and everything in between. So thanks for tuning in. If you don't already, um, subscribe, I encourage you to do so. It's really easy just to click. It's free while you're there. We'd love, um, for you to leave a little review or give us a quick rating. Again, takes two seconds. If you're enjoying the podcast, it just lets us know that, um, it's being well received. So thanks so much and enjoy this episode. Okay. So I was just wondering, Ron, if, um, it's, it's so happy to have you here. It's such a great um, time that we have been able to finally connect. I know we, we ran a little interview with you uh, in the fall, um, but I know a lot of people have been eager to hear from you personally. So I was just wondering if you could give a little bit of background to our listeners on how you became a yacht designer. You've had quite a long journey here all the way from the other side of the world to now uh, being based in Vancouver. So it would be great to know what, what drew you to yachting in the first place.
1: Yeah, I believe it was very influenced by grew. geographic location. Like, I grew up in New Zealand, and it's very boating-oriented life mm. in New Zealand. So it was really that influence, I think, that, that attracted me to boating and sailing. And and really, it was just a one step at a time, and the boats got bigger and more complex, and I ended up traveling ever, a lot.
0: Yeah, and it just continues. I mean, I I heard somebody said you're partially retired, but I'm not sure you know what retired means because it doesn't seem like you've actually slowed down at all. So you're still continuing on and taking on more and more projects, or has that kind of changed? Do you see a change for 2020 for you?
1: Well, I, I think that... Uh... With a bit of luck and your health stays good, this is the sort of job you could do until you're pretty old. So my semi-retirement state means I'm, I am travelling a bit less, and I don't have you know ten, twenty people in my studio anymore. And the pro, I'm concentrating on one project at a time and being more personally involved in all aspects. Of the particular project that I'd be doing, and at the moment we're working on a forty-one meter schooner for an existing client. So um, the the semi-retirement concept means that I actually accept invitations to join my clients more often than I ever used to before because I was just too busy. This year or or last year I I joined my clients in Tahiti and in the Northwest Passage
0: Okay, two extremes. (laughs) I think Holly mentioned at your office that Northwest Passage was kind of one of your bucket list trips so you got to experience it. What did you think?
1: Uh, Yes, and and, I mean I'm, I'm lined up for At least once or twice a year now, doing something that I said no to for 40 years, joining my clients. So I think that's an important part of this new semi-retirement idea that you mentioned.
0: Yes, getting to actually enjoy the the outcome of all your hard work. And do you still, like from when you started Yacht Design, do you think your... Obviously, your methods have evolved, but actually, your design eye and and what you want obviously, you take a client's lead a little bit. But do you think if you look at your designs from 40 years ago and today, a lot of what you do has changed?
1: Well, there's been some big influences like uh, materials. You know, I mean, carbon fiber didn't exist when I started and that's a big influence, lighter, stronger materials, and also computer-aided design, of course, now is quite normal, but for the first 20 years of my career, we just used paper and pencil. Mm. So, they that, that would be the two obvious biggest changes. Also, I think that the boats have got bigger and more complex, and, uh, That means that you actually need a wider range of uh, disciplines to be able to accurately design these more complex boats.
0: Right, bringing in more, and it's getting more and more niche, isn't it? The the people that you work with have expertise in all these different areas now where it used to maybe be one the designer kind of handled just about the bulk of
1: it. That's right. No, no, you certainly need a team to offer a service to our client and to the boat builder. I mean, I think when I look back 40 years ago, the information we gave to the guys building our boats was pretty basic. But uh, you, um, you you mentioned also the certification and rules, which is another quite big influence in the last 15 years, 20 years. Um, and so now you... To design a yacht, it's more like a commercial project, like a commercial ship, or more like an aircraft. There are rules and certification processes that you need to follow throughout the whole exercise.
0: Mm. And is that kind of, I think you've mentioned before, Mirabella 5, that was kind of one that really pushed you to think outside, you had all these regulations, and I mean, she's won awards for her size and carbon fiber and everything. Can you share a little bit about that project and how it was such a change of what you actually had to do in order to create this beautiful yacht?
1: Yeah, no, that was certainly a new challenge for us when when these rules became a requirement during the design and build process. And uh, in a way, it was an added complication that I'm not particularly sure helped because what was happening in the yachting industry before the rules was, I mean, people people weren't dying. There was nobody, no yachts just sinking for no reason.
0: Right.
1: So adding a, a, this complicated layer of regulation, uh, I'm not sure improve things, but it certainly made the discipline of designing and building a superyacht more complex.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess because of that complexity, yeah, there have to be certain checks and balances now to make sure. Mirabella, she, didn't she win, or she was certified by the Guinness Book of World Records about her sales and size, or was it? Oh,
1: well, that's true. is the boat got bigger and bigger, and, and the, the, the most complex and challenging project was Mirabella 5 which is now called M5 and that it was uh, a real challenge because not only was it a composite fiberglass boat, much bigger than anyone ever uh, built before we had the tallest mast, the deepest keel, the heaviest keel lifting keel so it was a, uh, uh, it's, uh, a whole industry is very client-led. We, the clients really do drive what we end up designing. And uh, that, that's been pretty exciting to see how that's evolved over the last 20 years.
0: Mm-hmm. That they are aware of these things and helping you to push your own design limits a little bit and and try new things, I suppose.
1: Yes, yeah, so and when we see, especially in, in power bonds, um, boat yachts, the, the uh, some quite outrageous, I would say, mm-hmm. approaches to the way the boats look, and uh, I think sailing yachts are a bit more conservative, probably through the requirement of you know, the influence of sailing. So, the the what happened was that the the world created a lot more wealth, and the people that were lucky enough to be in that segment decided to have yachts. So the whole yachting thing expanded in the last 20 years beyond what we could have imagined it would do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've seen quite a few designs come out that nobody was expecting or, or could have predicted. And you mentioned motor yachts, that never really appealed to you? I know you grew up sailing, so was it always the sailboat that- Yeah, I grew up sailing.
1: And, and see, most of my career really starts off by winning yacht races. That was the way to get your next project, get to design a boat that would win, and then you got the next project. So, So I was always primarily influenced with sailing boats. But uh, uh, towards the end of uh, run design in Ireland, half our work was powerboats. And we had the opportunity to do some really good examples of long-distance, ocean-capable boat yachts. So that was fun to do also.
0: Was um, the one, the Northwest Passage that you went on, was that on a motorboat or a...
1: What what, what were you referring to, Rebecca?
0: When you you went to the Northwest Passage last year?
1: Oh, that was on uh, one of the Perini boats I did, a 56-meter Perini called Rose Harty. Okay, beautiful. So it was a sailing boat, but there's not much wind up there, so we were motoring all the time, and you have to keep dodging icebergs. So I can't imagine how the old sailing ships did that. That was uh, very extreme example of how to use your boat.
0: Yeah, I guess it must have been an incredible once-in-a-lifetime experience, though, to be up there.
1: It really was. And then also, what added to that experience was a couple of months before I'd been sailing in Tahiti. So it took one extreme to the other. Yes.
0: And uh, had you been to Tahiti before? Or was that your first time as well?
1: No, it's the first time I've been in the ice.
0: Okay. And did it meet all your expectations, or blow right past them?
1: Oh yes, though no, it's it's a, it's a it was a lucky break and a welcome invitation from my client, and uh, and I think that's a trend. People are going further afield with their yachts. So in the last few years, I think we've seen people that might have just done Caribbean and Mediterranean venturing further afield, which I think is exciting. I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And that also puts a little onus on the designers too, right? You need to be making boats that are seaworthy to dodge icebergs or go wherever they need to go and have access to things, which
1: is exciting. And, and, and even though you, know, you could say that the, when we designed the 56-meter perini. um, We had no idea that there would be 10 of them built, and they would travel really all over the world, including Northwest Passage. So that's exciting. The boats are certainly capable of doing that.
0: Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And the uh, trips that you mentioned for this coming year, are there any destinations that you can share with our listeners where you're going? They love to get some new ideas for their own vacation time.
1: Well, and another uh, new thing for me was Croatia. I've I've got lots of clients that have their yachts in the Med and go to Croatia, but I never did that before, so that's on my list again this year.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, and it's it's still not quite as busy as the rest of the Med, so it's a great time to go, isn't it?
1: It is, and and there's just such a huge area of coastline and islands that... You, you can spend your life there and never see it all.
0: Yeah, and the culture. You're not missing out on that, you know, ancient part of alluringness that you get in Europe. And, you know, we're, we're in Canada. We don't have anything quite as old as most places in Europe, so.
1: That's right. And when the old stuff, like in the Arctic, no one's there to see it.
0: Yeah, that's true. So you, some of the things you probably saw up north, you know, only a handful of people have been able to see, which is just, so cool. I would love to. That's definitely on my bucket list, getting up there.
1: Yes, we were pretty far up there.
0: Yeah. And how long was that? I'm guessing you need quite a bit of time to get to where you're yes, going and get in back.
1: In fact, we couldn't. We never got right through the passage because we just didn't have enough time. We were three weeks. Okay. And the ice is very unpredictable. So you really need to go up there without a timetable. Okay, and take the opportunities as as the ice shifts around,
0: yes, that makes sense. the safe way to do it as well. um I also wanted to make sure our readers knew about your book. You've published a book recently
1: yes and and so the, this was a a response to me being invited to a teaching project at the Auckland University, and when my students found out I'd never past high school certificate mm-hmm. they were going how what the hell how come we you're the teacher I <laughs> said well I'll write a book and tell you about it
0: okay <laughs> so, you showed them
1: so and it's a big job it's a three-year project but it's fun to do because you meet all your old friends during mm-hmm. these book tours
0: I bet and you've got them all over the world you know you've had stops and all the continents and time to make friends everywhere. So it's great. It's called Oceans, correct?
1: Uh, all the oceans.
0: All the oceans. And
1: it's it's a collection of um, memories, stories. It's not about people. aren't expecting it's about yacht design. It's really not. It's more about life on the water.
0: Okay amazing and then it appeals to a lot more people as well so that's great we can't I saw a little sneak peek from your office so I'm excited to get my hands on a real copy, and I'll make sure I can uh, share that with everyone who's listening in the show notes so um, it's been really it's been such an honor to actually connect with you Ron because I have followed your career since I started in yachting and uh, you really are a legend so I'm really happy that you gave us a little bit of your time today
1: Thanks Rebecca and also I'll keep you up to date on where I end up on my semi-retired voyaging program so I might be able to share with you some other interesting geographic locations. We would
0: love that and actually I'll make sure to plug it but you're on Instagram and you do share some of your trip photos and things like that so I'll be sure to uh, link back to that so everyone knows what you're up to and can keep tabs on you and Make sure at some point you actually do retire because you, uh, you deserve it after a very long career.
1: <laughs> it's, it's been more fun than we could have expected.
0: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Well, I really do appreciate your time, Ron.
1: Thanks very much, Rebecca.
0: Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.